Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Grammar Girl here. This week, I have a quick and dirty tip about the phrase 0%, a meaty middle about prefixes and suffixes, and a tidbit about malapropisms, such as calling something a marsh pit instead of a mosh pit. And now, a quick and dirty tip about 0%. Car dealerships and credit card companies like to advertise 0% interest, which is understandable enough, but mathematically a bit odd. It makes you wonder whether marketers are uncomfortable with an ad that proclaims no interest. The word percent is a 16th century invention, from the Latin words per and centum, or 100. In the UK, it's usually written per cent, two words, while Americans in the last few decades have shifted to the closed-up percent, one word. Either way, it still means per 100. That's useful for expressing a relationship in a standardized way. But zero per 100 is just a longish way of saying zero. There's nothing wrong with zero percent interest, but careful writers don't make readers do unnecessary math. Zero interest or no interest are clear ways to get the idea across. If you must include the zero, style guides offer conflicting advice— Zero is normally written out as a word, but numbers with percentages are written as numerals. In the wild, 0% with the numeral slightly leads 0% with zero written out as a word. That's according to Google Hits, but news sites are more than twice as likely to write out the word zero. The Ask the Editor columns of the Chicago Manual of Style and the AP Stylebook disagree on the solution. AP says to write out 0% with the word, while the Chicago Manual of Style favors 0% using the numeral. You can avoid the issue by remembering that 0%, just like 0 per million or 0 per 14, still means 0, and that's all you really need to write. That segment was written by Mark Allen, a freelance copy editor who's known as Editor Mark on Twitter. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules 
only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life, well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. And now, the meaty middle, in which Bonnie Mills writes about prefixes and suffixes, those little things you add to the front or back of words. They're like little word creation factories that let you change the meaning of stem words. You can, for example, go from happy to unhappy by adding the prefix un to the word happy. You might do this when you add the suffix ectomy to the word spleen to get splenectomy. Ooh, that sounds painful a word you can create by adding the suffix full to pain. On the other hand, we hope that our discussion of spelling and punctuation when it comes to prefixes and suffixes will be pain-free. Prefixes and suffixes are two examples of affixes, grammatical elements that are added to a base or stem to form a fresh stem or word. It might seem to make more sense for them to be called prefixes and postfixes, since pre means before and post means after. But it turns out that the suff part of suffix comes from the past participle of a Latin word that means to attach on top of. You use prefixes and suffixes a lot more than you realize. You add negative prefixes to adjectives and nouns all the time. For example, and you can use comparative suffixes like est, daily. Negative prefixes you're bound to use include un, anti, a, and non. And they give us words like unflattering, anti-war, amoral, and non-dairy. Well-used suffixes include the s in plural nouns and end-of-word additions such as ness, like, and hood to make words such as happiness, childlike, and parenthood. In fact, it might be downright impossible to write a sentence longer than a few words without using a prefix or suffix, or both in one word, as in unhappiness. Let's look a little more closely at some common prefixes and suffixes. The prefixes in, un, non, and anti generally pair up with certain Latin derivatives. 
creating words such as inaccessible and unexhausted. On the other hand, the prefix a, which means without, appears mostly with Greek derivatives, as in asymmetrical. Non is the broadest negative prefix and may precede virtually any word. You might be curious about the meaning of some other prefixes you use all the time. If so, you've come to the right place. D and dis, as in dehumanize and disrespectful, mean reverse of, whereas mal and miss, as in malformed and misfortune, mean bad or wrong. You'll also run into more self-explanatory prefixes, such as counter and self, which give us words such as counterintuitive and self-driving. Now, for some suffixes. As we've seen with S and ED, suffixes can change the plurality or tense of a base word. Other suffixes change the part of speech, as in ITY, which creates abstract nouns that express state or condition. You can therefore change the adjective civil to the noun civility by adding the suffix. Another useful suffix is able, which turns verbs into adjectives, as in teachable. Interestingly, this suffix is itself formed from a base word and another suffix. It's a combination of the Latin verb hab, which means to have, and the suffix ile, which is added to words to express capability, susceptibility, or aptitude. When it comes to prefixes and suffixes, we need to keep some spelling and punctuation rules in mind. With most prefixes, there are no changes in the spelling when you add them to the beginning of words. One exception, though, is with the prefix in. The spelling changes to il, im, and ir when certain letters follow this prefix. The words illogical, impossible, and irregular are created this way. Other spelling rules concern suffixes. In general, when you add a suffix to a one-syllable word, you double the final consonant. And so bag plus the suffix age yields baggage with two g's. And run plus the suffix ing yields running with two n's. When it comes to the one-syllable words bus and gas, however, both single letters and double letters are acceptable. The plural of bus, for instance, can be buses with one s in the middle or buses with two. There are a few other rules. Let's say you're adding a suffix to a word ending in the letter e. If that e is silent, you should drop the e before a suffix beginning with a vowel, as in force and forcible but there are many exceptions. Sometimes there are even two allowable spellings, as in bluish without an E and bluish with an E. As usual, check a reliable dictionary. Now, if the E at the end of the word is silent and you're adding a suffix starting with a consonant rather than a vowel, you generally keep the E, as in white and whiteness, which still has the E in it. Of course, there are exceptions, as in wise and wisdom, which doesn't retain the E. One more spelling rule to keep in mind relates to words ending in the letter C, when you add a suffix beginning with E, I, or Y. To avoid pronouncing the C like an S, you always add a K after the C. For example, in the way panic becomes panicky, with a K after the C. 
Don't panic, though. We aren't going to make you learn any more spelling rules. We will, however, briefly discuss hyphens. Hyphens often make text more readable, and sometimes with prefixes and suffixes, we need to add a hyphen to avoid confusion. As you could have probably predicted, different affixes have different hyphenation rules. Most prefixed or suffixed words never need a hyphen, but some always need a hyphen, and some can be hyphenated or not. Non, for example, doesn't generally take a hyphen unless you're attaching it to a proper noun, as in non-Newtonian fluid. That has a hyphen. For the most part, it's safe not to hyphenate with your prefixes and suffixes, but you should always follow the style guidelines you're meant to follow, and of course, you can rely on your dictionary or style guide if you're unsure. In certain formations, however, a hyphen will be necessary. For example, some prefixed words could be confused with words of similar spelling, as in resigned and re-signed. In the latter case, adding a hyphen after the prefix re will greatly help your readers. Sometimes, a word with a prefix might look odd or be hard to read if you don't use a hyphen. Take coworker. Without a hyphen after the prefix co, coworker might seem to have something to do with cows. Another time you should use a hyphen is to avoid double letters that might be confusing. When you're using the suffix like with the word shall, for example, three L's in a row would look odd. So you should hyphenate shall like with a hyphen before the like. By definition, prefixes and suffixes are added to words to make other words. So is it allowable to use a prefix or suffix alone? Well, you can't say pre the wedding, I ordered invitations. That's just wrong. But we did see someone try to sound fancy by writing post the meeting. That sentence was quickly edited to use the word after instead. In colloquial speech, however, you will find some prefixes that can stand alone. You might hear someone ask, what ism do you believe in? Or are you anti that? Maybe you'll find yourself referring to a big truck as a semi, short for semi-trailer. For the most part, though, you should stick to using prefixes and suffixes with base words. That segment was written by Bonnie Mills, author of Curious Case of the Misplaced Modifier, who blogs at sentencesleuth.blogspot.com. And finally, I have a tidbit on modern malapropisms. The Irish-born playwright Richard Brinsley Sheridan, writing 175 years after Shakespeare, created a memorable mangler of language in his play The Rivals. Her name is Mrs. Malaprop, and she's famous for the phrases, she's as headstrong as an allegory on the banks of the Nile, and he is the very pineapple of politeness, among others. Indeed, Mrs. Malaprop, whose name literally means inappropriate, became synonymous with a kind of verbal goof that afterward became known as a malapropism. We've all made such flubs at one time or another. The particular pleasure that one gets when one discovers a modern malapropism in the wild comes in part from ferreting out the logic that underlies it. These entries from Robert Alden Rubin's new book, Going to Hell in a Hen Basket, an illustrated dictionary of modern malapropisms, attempt to do just that where it can be deduced and to offer speculation where it can't. Here are some examples. Bold-faced lie. 
In this case, people say bold-faced lie instead of bare-faced lie. Perhaps they think it's a lie printed in bold-faced type or told boldly. The expression bare-faced lie, an undisguised lie, goes back to 18th century England, from which it spread to the American frontier and got mixed up with bald-faced whiskey, bad whiskey that stung like a bald-faced hornet, and became a bald-faced lie. Another one is die-hearted. People confuse die-hard with expressions such as big-hearted and noble-hearted and so on. Die-hards may fight to the end, but their hearts are set on surviving, not dying. And as a final example of a malapropism for today, we have marsh pit or mush pit instead of mosh pit. What began as a slam pit at punk concerts, an area in front of the stage where slam dancers banged heads, was later called a mash pit and then a mosh pit, the name that stuck. It can indeed resemble a kind of swamp of sweaty, pogoing slam dancing bodies. The variant makes sense, too, as individuals may feel pounded to a mush in the crush. But the correct phrase is mosh pit. If you enjoyed hearing about those malapropisms, remember that these were excerpts from Robert Alden Rubin's book, Going to Hell in a Hen Basket, included here with permission. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find the articles for each podcast segment at quickanddirtytips.com, where you'll also find hundreds of other language articles and also all the other Quick and Dirty Tips podcasters. That's all. Thanks for listening. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.